big decisions, paths followed, choices made. This is Connections, conversations about life and work. I'm your host, Jim Allen. Anthea Rowe of Exemplify Consulting is with me today. Welcome, Anthea. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for making the drive. Uh, we met, I always like t- talking about how I made this connection. We met when you were at StarTech, right? Uh, they make little devices that allow you to connect other devices. And, and now that I say that, I think they'd be a great sponsor for this show because I- that's what I do. I'm, it's all about connecting. So you went on to 3M for a few years. What did you do at 3M, for instance? Yeah, I was there for two and a half years. Um, So I ran the communications function, which was um, the charitable giving, $1.3 million charitable giving budget, um, crisis communications. So if we were being sued or, you know, if there were any major customer complaints or product issues, and then employees, you know, how what the executives were communicating to employees. And you were there for a while, right? Three, three years? Two and a half Two years. Two and a half years. That's yeah, a long time. Three. Yeah. After you were at 3M, you went out on your own. So why did you want to go out on your own? Two things. I realized that my career path to date wasn't what I wanted to keep pursuing. So I had been saying to colleagues for five or six years, um, I don't see myself, you know, rising through the ranks in corporate communications. I don't want to be a chief communications officer. And they were like, oh, you know, well, then what? Like, what are you doing? Why, you know, isn't that what it's all about? Right. And I thought, I don't know. Um, and then at the same time, I was experiencing myself and witnessing around me a phenomenon of really hardworking women, um, you know, working harder and harder, but stalling in their careers. Right. And I wondered what that was all about. And I wanted to do something about it. So I kind of took my background in PR and my interest in women's advancement at work and put them together and was like, I want to help um, women right. advance at work. So here's a direct quote from your LinkedIn page. Okay. So I help mid-career women get promoted, personal branding, communication, workplace performance, leadership. Do I have that right? Yes. That's, I think, yep. yes. So, uh, so women in mid-career. Yeah. Uh, they come to you for advice, perhaps, for guidance. If I could overgeneralize for a moment, is there a common issue or problem, quote-unquote, mid-career women come to you with? Is there a common issue? And what is it? Um, From their perspective, the issue that most women come to me with who end up becoming clients is they feel overworked, undervalued, um and underutilized so they're not coming to me saying i want to earn more they're actually saying i could be doing more for my company or for any other company and i'm not and i don't understand why right it's like you're um you're kind of sitting on the bench and you're just like put me in coach and they're just like no no it's okay like we've got you know we've got our lineup so feeling undervalued wanting to do more and having these ambitions that don't match up with what they're actually doing. Right. Um, so that's what they come to me with. Right. Um, what can you do to fix that? Is that a, that's not a simple fix. You need to talk to, the, talk to these people for a while, right? Um, yeah. Oops, I'm going to hit your microphone here. Um, 
Yeah. So there are things that we can do to fix it. And that's, you know, my services. Um, So individuals will hire me. And it's a couple things. It's first, the biggest one is recognizing, like, what's made you successful so far? Right. And um, turns out that that's not making you successful going forward, right? Right. So our career can kind of be chunked up and you have, um, you're talking about your daughter and, um, you know, going on to a professional degree. And there's, you know, how you do in school. Mm -hmm. And then what works for you there, right? And I'm going to ask you some advice about my daughter later. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Happy to help. Since I, you brought it up. I so. give free advice wherever free I can. Free advice. That's yeah. why you're here. So exactly. You give me free advice. So we, you know, we have school and then the things that are rewarded, right? And what you get um, good marks for. And then early career um, still tends to be similar. It's like if you're a subject matter expert, you know, in videography or in graphic design or in writing media releases or whatever. Um, you're still basically valued for like doing a good job of your technical work and working hard. As you get into mid-career, differentiators are about your understanding of the business and your ability to communicate that, that you understand the business. Right. And um, what I'm learning from research and from personal experience and from talking to um, women, people identify as women, is that they just keep like doing more of what they were good at and what they were praised for, but then being like, why am I not getting promoted? Well, right. you're not going to get promoted for the things you're good at over here. You need to have new skills. So we work on those new skills. So why why women? It, 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 did you just see an underserved niche that you think you do well in? Is that? Yeah. Um, so combination of personal experience. And so sense making around my own career and being like, huh, you know, I had bosses, you know, throughout my early career, talking to me like my career director like mentors like and things or? yeah yeah and then i felt like it kind of went like this and um it wasn't necessarily attributed to having kids like i was you know working full time every time i came back from mat leave and stuff and um so personal experience and then i started researching it to be like what am i doing wrong and finding all this evidence of ways in which you know we think we live and work in a meritocracy and we really don't right and so instead of getting mad about that i just was like well what can we do Right. So, I, I mean, I see this stuff in the paper sometimes. Like, what do you put on your, what you've mentioned having, you've got more than one kid, right? Child. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, what's your advice to people when they have that gap on their resume potentially? Uh, sometimes people don't come back after whatever it is a, these days, a year, right? Mm-hmm. You could take three years off. I don't blame you for doing that. It's, uh, it's important work. Parenthood, um, but like, what what do you what what's your advice to uh, w- women in the workforce when they've left it for a few years? It's um it's not a problem if you can demonstrate that you have proof of the skills and proof of accomplishments in the field that you're applying for, right? So right. yeah, one year not a big deal. You know, five to seven years. The challenge is not why were you not working. It's prove to us that you understand the current industry needs yeah. right prove to us that you could help our company you know digitize their marketing prove to us that you can right so that's where um it's really um the onus is on the individual applying to a job to know like to stay current even if you're not working to know what skills are needed what experience is needed and you mm-hmm. got it so you actually i think you wrote an article or maybe something on your website you've you call it you call it the mid-career stall yeah right so why does it happen and what can you do to prevent or fix it? 
Yeah. So the mid-career stall speaks to the um, what I mentioned earlier about how the assumption that just knowing the technical parts of your job really well and do, working really hard is enough. Right. Um, what, for some reason, women tend not to realize as well as maybe their male um, colleagues is you have to spend, you know, at least 20% of your working time, your career effort on um, letting people know what you do. Right. Like, you know, the, the aphorism now is- Promoting yourself. Yeah, self-promotion. And I mean, you know, all my clients um, cringe and, uh, you know, get really nervous at the word self-promotion because it is kind of, it's fraught too for women. Mm -hmm. um, right? We're kind of taught to be modest and stuff. So it's real- the Is that a gender stall. thing or is it a Canadian thing or- uh, Yeah, it's I, more... I, I used to, but even in my <laughs> own site, I, it's not a natural thing for me, but I used to call it shameless self-promotion because it is- it is something I'm not 100% comfortable with, but it has to be done, right? It has to be done. You have to let people know that your services exist, et cetera, right? Yeah, and I'd argue like our interpretation of shameless as Canadians is probably really different than how an American, you know, or even an American right. on the East Coast versus an American on the West Coast because there's even differences there. Right. Um, yeah, culturally you know, across gender, geography, there's just different expectations of how much people will talk about themselves, right? Right. Um, so it's not exclusive to women, 100%. You know, I've had, I have male clients. Um, oh, you do? I was going to make do, a joke. Yeah. I, I was going to say, so is it just women? Or if I no. came to you with a bucket full of gold, would you... Would you uh, <laughs> So I'm glad you laughed at I that. I would happily, happily. See that or you throw stuff at me, right? So, yeah. So, uh, so, okay. So men, well, women, but you specialize in women because that's your experience, right? You can, you can relate to your clients a little bit better. Yeah. And because there are, um, I mean, it comes down to we all have default communication styles. And we don't tend to question them because there are defaults, right? The way right. we have a conversation, they are, right. like you said, affected by where we live. Canadians tend to wait longer for someone to finish a sentence before jumping in, but it's not always universal. Um, so we have default styles. We assume that they're just the way they are. What maybe, what women tend to not realize is that their default styles often undermine their credibility at work. So, um, you know, and I just said, um, if a woman tends to be self-deprecating, you know, tends to look down, not make eye contact, tends to speak quietly because they have smaller vocal cords um, and higher voices, right. they literally don't get hurt as much. Like these things in a culture that, I mean, most workplaces are, you know, predominantly male-led, right? The number of leaders. And so they tend to value ma more masculine communication styles. So um, I just teach awareness of that and give my female clients and male clients awareness of when you go into a situation what's the who's the person with power what kind of communication style do they have and what's going to help you get heard right so um knowing that it doesn't mean oh you women are supposed to talk and act like a man it doesn't it's just saying you know if you use hedges like filler words if you speak really softly don't be surprised when men interrupt you, right? Yes. And then here, what can you do about that? So, um, you know, to answer your question about, you know, men and women, it's, I do have many male clients who just tend to have more, um, like, softer voices or 
um, are less comfortable promoting themselves and look around and or wonder why they haven't gotten you know a raise or a promotion at work. You write or you say there are moral and social reasons many women struggle to talk about their own work. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, morality fascinates me, I swear. I'm going to have to do a PhD on it. Um, that we tend to value modesty, um, especially in women, and expect it. And we tend to punish women who are perceived as immodest um, in the sense of talking about themselves or bragging, right? I did right. a fascinating um, workshop with some girl guides. I told you my eldest daughter is in girl guides, um, where right. I was teaching them to talk about accomplishments and they were so uncomfortable with it and said, uh, it feels terrible. I'm bragging. Um, and then we have, we tend to socialize boys generally to talk about their accomplishments and even the way they see themselves or if you see boys like on the, um, playground, right. They'll be like, I can throw the ball farther than you. I can throw it farther than you. I'm faster than you. And that's, that's okay. Right. That's an accepted kind of figuring out of their hierarchy. Yes. Girls, I mean, if you tell a girl that you're better than her at something, like you're not going to be her friend, right? And so, right. some of that socialization, which nobody intends, tends to happen. Um, so, I think I've circled away from your original question. Well, you said moral was, and social reasons. Yeah. So, so when you say moral, is that moral? moral? Meaning, and maybe moral. I think of religion the, when I hear the word moral. Yeah, so maybe it's more about values or virtue, right. like. Um, so the virtue of modesty, of being, you know, demure, um, right. and self-deprecating and not bragging is, you know, a lot of people socialize as women tend to be t um, praised for that, right? right? Like you didn't speak up, you didn't brag. So then if that's what you've been told is the right way to behave. Well, young ladies uh, act, uh, right. act young in a ladies. certain way and, they're, and that's reinforced from... The crib, basically, like yeah. onwards, right? Like I could see how that could happen. Decorum, kind of, yeah. Right. It's like you know, even photos like from paparazzi of like celebrities getting out of the car and they're trying to get you know shots up their skirt or something, and it's like still yes. reflects somehow on the celebrity that if she you know wasn't wearing underwear or something, and it's like, well, <laughs> like we're right. valuing like her modesty is very important, um, and so this kind of you have to be modest goes against. Um, what is the reality in a workplace which is like we we operate in capitalism which by definition is about competition right, right? and that plays out in companies where you know you're competing to you know for limited number of roles potentially but you also want to show like um i have a good idea that's going to help the company or i have results that have you know grown sales if your values of what's a, being a good person go against what gets rewarded you're not gonna you're not gonna do what gets rewarded, right? So right. you're not gonna talk about yourself. You're gonna say, Oh, my work should speak for itself. Actually I have a great personal story um that illustrates that. So modesty being a virtue, um, my boss and I were standing um around one day catching a quick like tea um in between meetings and we were talking about um our male colleagues who we were like, Oh my gosh, like it seems like they spend all their time creating um presentations for the executives. Right. And we were like, not just laughing at it, but feeling like smug and virtuous because, well, we're too busy doing real work to just spend time presenting to execs. And then ask me, like, so this was three women standing around feeling good about ourselves because we were like working hard and not talking about ourselves. 
well, fast forward six months, like ask me out of those two groups of people, like who got huge promotions, moved across like to another country, family paid to relocate, right? It wasn't the women who were feeling smug because they were virtuous. It was the men who very justifiably were communicating like their projects, their results to people who had power to promote them, right? So here we were being like, we're good people. We don't look for, you know, we don't brag. We just do the work. Well, like who's winning, right? So right. that's when I was like questioning what our values or whether it's morality um, that may be too intense, well, right? What's your, like, I, what's your biggest success story, would you say? Oh. Uh, I think you said something on your yeah. website. It's not typical that someone got a job within... Oh my gosh! Ten yeah. days or something. And uh, that's, you, like, they're so great. I mean, I love all my clients. They've they're incredible when they finally kind of trust themselves. Right. Um, yeah. So one client was like, "Oh, I never get around to updating my resume." And you know, someone's been inviting me for a year to interview informally with their company, and I should really get my act together. So I said, "Okay, great, we can do that." Um, and then I couldn't get a date on the calendar. And then she called me up and was like. I have an opportunity to interview with the CEO of um, uh, a tech company, like in a week. <laughs> so I need, so we in five days, we're like. So you coached her up. You coached her up. Basically. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we get your career story, you know, buttoned up, great resume. And she got the job. So she went from a director to VP, um, got stock options, all that stuff, crazy, you know, compensation. Um but actually, the one that I'm more proud of is someone who had been in the same job for 17 years and felt was like mid-career and kind of felt like, I don't know whether I could find something different. I should probably just stay here. I think I have a pretty good thing going. But the culture was not a good fit. She was literally sad every day, like just didn't feel like didn't like the way people were treated. Um, and I was like, you can expect to work somewhere where you feel good going to work and not have to take a pay cut. And um, so worked on her on like career story again, you know, and then proactively targeting companies. So instead of saying, well, what's available for jobs, just like what would be your ideal company, even if they don't have anything posted. Right. And she applied to two jobs, <laughs> right. which is insane. I would never promise this. Um, and she got the one um, and she got a 42% pay increase. The culture is lovely, like she feels respected and valued and she's meeting interesting people, it's more diverse. And she's just like, who would have thought, like I could have a, a culture that I value more and feel good about every day and I'm getting 42% more. So I think that's the thing is like not feeling that you have to settle. You know, there's this kind of assumption of like, if I'm gonna do work I love, I'm gonna have to, you know, be a pauper and not make much money. Or if I'm gonna love the company I work for, I can't expect. And it's like, no, you should expect both. So in those two instances, what's what's your process? Do you try to meet and really get to know the person and just try to bond with them and then hype them up a bit, give them some confidence if they don't have it or, or just direct them? Okay, yeah. we're going to company X and this is, this is what you should uh, focus on kind of thing? Yeah, it's like um, probably 80% technical and then 20% kind of confidence building. Do you rehearse? Um, do you rehearse it at all? Or? Uh, yeah, we do a little bit of that. Honestly, most Interviews. of it, most of it is um, the resume. So it sounds super right. boring and I'm not like a recruiter. I'm my background's not HR, mm. but I treat the resume, my background's PR. I treat it like um, a news release. Like, so what, 
what's what's the headline for each job what's interesting right and we go through what i talked about earlier where i'm like okay this isn't about you so literally rewriting the resume. literally the rewriting resume. the resume right. and so for right. each one i'm like okay you worked at this communications company like telecoms you know selling um kind of server type of stuff great what'd you do oh well while i was there they were trying to go from a mid-market like serving they were in two small cities they wanted to expand across the u.s um i launched a bunch of guerrilla marketing campaigns you know literally did like literature drops and um like these cool programs i don't remember them all in eight different cities next thing you know you know a year later that company has a footprint and sales in those eight cities cool so it's like taking that it's not about you it's you know counterintuitively your resume is about what did you do for a company rewrite the resume and that takes a while it takes like three or four weeks or you know one hour sessions because what they at the end of it they have what i call your career story which is like um not just a better resume but it's really think changing the way you think about your career right, right. so like maybe an example for you and i don't know if this is the case but instead of being like i'm an experienced videographer who right. you know can do you know on-site or you know editing whatever maybe instead it's like i have helped you know 25 people um have their voice heard in you know and have built their expertise in 30 industries or something or you right. know what i mean yeah. it's like who have you helped and why so yeah the process is a lot of like let's break down your resume and then like build it back up again and then so who have you helped and why is sort of an interesting who have you helped and why interesting is like yeah way of something to grab onto there that's yeah that's so then they've got a resume that like and as they go through the resume, I ask questions like, so what did you love about working there? Or what did you hate? You know, where would you right. love? And then in that process, they start realizing like, oh, yeah, like I really loved, I was in alcohol sales, you know, for most of my career, but I really want to do something less um, or healthier, like right. something that's maybe not as, you know, one client that was the case had been successful, but was like, I think maybe I want to look at like, selling kombucha or like specialty juices or whatever right yes. still like i had a client who was just trying to get a um you know just another job and then he said you know what as i've been reflecting on this anthea my dream would be to work in new york or chicago and this is someone based in calgary and i was like cool let's work on that so like, your clients dream. not geographically limited to southwestern western ontario no. so yeah anywhere in canada it's an online it's an online world now or the, most of my clients are in the u.s so you, you have american clients mm -hmm. canadian clients australian really uk really yeah wow yeah, it's really cool so i wouldn't have known that you got to tell me you have to i know what else did i not to, share you have to promote self promote shameless yes. self-promotion what's the feedback you get from your clients like are they uh happy as as a clam that they found you kind of thing or it's because it does sound like half therapy half uh <laughs> career counseling or half resume building or i've run out of halves there yeah there's math, a lot so. of halves yeah <laughs> so what's the feedback you get because you've got nice things people have said nice things to you about you on your did you make the right decision to absolutely, do this absolutely absolutely right. yeah um so I'd say the best measurement of, you know, am I doing, is my work effective is, are the people who come to me achieving their goals, right? So if someone says, I want to work somewhere where I like the culture, did I help them get a, a role in a company where they like the culture? Yes. If someone says, you know, I want a more seniority, like I want a higher title, 
um, or I want more pay. And so far, with almost no exceptions, um, my clients after working with me have gotten that. So yeah, I'd say like the objective measures are like, yes, it's working. Must be very satisfying for you. It when is. You play, when, this, when there's a good result, right? It is. But honestly, what, um, what I find more satisfying is when the clients say, I feel like you really understand what I'm going through. I realized I'm not alone. Because you've experienced it yourself, perhaps? or And um, actually, it's even less my story. And right. I've even connected some of my clients with each other. And um, yeah, you mentioned kind of being like therapy. It's um, You start to wonder, is it me, right? If you're in an organization and you right. think you're working really hard and, and it's not turning yeah. to results, you start to think, like, I must just be doing something wrong. And then when you find out, like, oh, other people are experiencing it too, um, you realize, oh, okay. And then when they work with me and realize I can do things about it, um, you know, some of the best things the clients have said is, um, I felt like you really understood me. Um, I have a totally different attitude towards my career now. Uh, and like the best praise is, you know, if someone goes into their new job and starts it even feeling different about it, right? Rather than feeling like, I hope I'm good enough or I hope, you know, I hope they like me. Um, Right. So if we wanted to get in touch with you, you have a website, I guess we can. What's the, what's the website? Yeah, it's exemplify.com. Exemplify, E-X-M-P-L-I-F-Y. Right. E um, or on LinkedIn, Anthea Rowe. I don't think there are too many other Anthea Rows, especially in London, Canada. I'll put, I'll put the um, website at the bottom yeah. when you say yeah. it. So Thanks for, for coming, Anthea. I really appreciate the, the long drive here. It's nice to do stuff in person, is it not? Forget I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for um, letting me come back to you a year and a half or a year after you offered. Um, I appreciate the chance to talk about this kind of stuff. And you asked really, you know, thoughtful, really insightful questions. Yeah, they were okay. They were okay. <laughs> they were okay. You care. You care about the issue. Well, thanks for coming. I do appreciate it. It's a lot of effort to come, and I do. I do thanks for having it. me. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment or if you want to be on the show, send me an email at connectionsvideopod at gmail.com. And please subscribe.